Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. She is the director of the Taubman Institute and the professor of political science, who I have not spoken with in a dog's age. Dr. Uh, Wendy Schiller is with us. Professor, it's great to hear your voice. How are you? I'm good, Dan. How are you doing? Very well, very well. Thanks for scheduling some time with me. I, you know, when we did this uh, earlier in the week and you carved out a little bit of time, I I've, I figured I have no idea what we're going to talk about on Friday because <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea how this whole thing is going to roll out. Uh, so let's... Let's talk first about uh, this development in the pure politic uh, problem in Washington. Uh, finally, Jim Jordan got the message, three strikes, you're out, huh? What's your what's your take on the whole thing? I, I, leading questions aren't necessary right now, I don't think. Well, I mean, the, the whole question I have is if you are the Republicans and you want to capture the House, control of the House, and you've had control of the House of Representatives for much more of the last decade than the Democratic Party has. You know, you've controlled it for a long time, right, 2011 to 2018, uh, and then back again in 2022 elections, so, so last year. So so what do you want to do with that, and why can't you get your act together? And I, if I were someone who was a big, enthusiastic supporter of the Republican, um, either you want to call it the Tea Party, you want to call it uh, the Freedom Caucus, Trump, wh- whatever wing you want to really, you know, wrap yourself in, um, you should be frustrated with your leadership because without a coherent leader or a backing of a leader, you have no voice. You can't shape the agenda. And I know it's a scattered agenda and social media makes it hard to do. But you need if you want to oppose Joe Biden, you need a voice. Right. And where is the Republican voice right now in Congress in Washington, D.C., um, that that can coherently represent the Republican Party and say this is the alternative that we're going to present to the Democrats? And that's the cost of not having a speaker, because the Speaker of the House has a platform automatically and does represent a very large number of voting people from all over the country. You know, all over the country comprises the party, and the Republicans don't have that now. And, you know, you have to ask yourself, what is it that why are they there? You know, what do they want to accomplish? Well, if they if 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 this group that that suddenly caught the car, right, if they're if they're the dog that caught the car and their chase has always been, as John Boehner is reminding us this week, just to tear things down. When you've torn it down. You got to come up with what you're suggesting they do. And it's maybe not part of their DNA. Well, right. So tearing it down, right, Dan. So you, you know, most of us, if not all of us, pay taxes, right? We pay taxes to the state, to the city, to the federal government, and we want the money spent efficiently. It doesn't get spent efficiently. I think we can all agree on that in a lot of ways. Um, but you know, it's frustrating to think, you know, that they go there and they say, okay, we're going to cut the budget, we're going to cut the deficit. Oh, by the way, but we are also going to cut taxes. We're also going to increase defense spending. Um, We're not going to touch Social Security and Medicare, which are, as you well know, you know, two of the three largest drivers of, you know, at least, you know, a third of the federal budget. Uh, We're not going to cut anything you really care about. 
Uh, we're just going to cut some of the programs that we think, you know, our constituents don't care about. But then they find out that there are their constituents in their districts that do care about, you know, home heating oil subsidies or agricultural subsidies or, you know, food stamps. You know, there are all these things. They go to Washington and they say they'll cut, but then they get voices from their district, which they should, um, saying, please don't do that. So they don't cut anything. So they shut the government down. They cost us a lot of time and energy and emotional angst. And then the, the deficit grows and grows and grows under both Republicans and Democrats. And our, our, our budget is bigger than ever, the federal budget. So, I mean, when you say, you know, what do they want to do? You know, burn the house down. They don't really want to do that. They want to cut the government the way they want to do it. But they never succeed after all these years. And so then the question is, and I think a lot of Republicans are asking themselves this, I think we're going to see a few more Republican retirements coming out, you know, by the time December, January comes along. We had a Republican in Arizona just yesterday uh, said she's out. She's done. She could have gotten reelected easily. And she's like, I've had it. I'm sick of it. I'm going. So that's the big question for me is you have an eight seat margin. How many more Republicans are going to, you know, look for the hill, run for the hills and get out of there? Yeah, uh, I think you're I think you're asking you know, really, really good questions. I, I still, I, I just think that they're untrained. I, I, I just think that they're untrained. I, I, when, when you've, you know, when you're in a, you're in a relationship with somebody, uh, hopefully you don't have a relationship like this. I don't, I don't have a relationship like this, but I'm just trying to imagine a relationship like this where someone is arguing with you all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. Argue, argue, and then finally you go, you're right. Oh, uh, Okay. When it's over, <laughs> it's like, okay, so what do you want to do about this thing you're arguing about? You're right. Uh, uh, well, I just wanted you to know I was right. You're right. Okay, so you, okay, it's not a direct analogy, but I, I just, I just think their their tank is empty. Um, and the other thing that I think is is something that nobody ever wants to ask or answer, and that is, is this significant cutting of government costs. Whatever the concept happens to be and whatever part of it that you want to subtract, ever really possible? At the federal level, I think it's very difficult to do because every single program that exists has a quote-unquote constituency. Right. Like I said, you know, the Republicans will go uh, and they'll say, you know, get elected from some places and say, we're going to cut this. And then the farmers say, whoa, don't be, don't cut that. That helps us. So, for example, school lunches, federal government pays for school lunches. Right. You know who provides most of the food for the school lunches? American farmers. And they get paid extra for that. You know, they like that benefit. So you can say, oh, well, we don't need programs for the poor, but school lunches are for low income students. But then again, there's a big constituency that elects Republicans that really cares about that program. That's a perfect. I don't. I don't think we should be cutting school lunches. I'm in um, opposite camp. I think we should feed children breakfast and lunch. The point is, the people who make money off of that are American farmers. And well, so, okay, yeah, well, that's look, what we look, I, 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 I'll, I'll see your example, and and double down with immigration. I mean, this notion. Uh, listen, border border security. I think is a is a is actually a bipartisan concern. Bipartisan concern. Uh, how you articulate it is where the partisanship really starts to separate. But the idea that a lot of quote 
undocumented or illegal aliens who are working in our in our communities are actually working for organizations and companies that are owned by Republicans who need them for workforce is is also is also part of that conundrum, right? This is, so I mean, your example is on the money, and mine I think is 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 similar in its nature, which is that you you argue about something that when you dig two layers deep comes back to hit you in the head. Well, there's two examples we can make. One relates directly to Rhode Island, actually. So you're absolutely right. So Alabama, I think you recall, about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, they passed a pretty restrictive uh, immigration measure, you know, stopping people, checking for IDs, all this sort of thing. And then the Chamber of Commerce in Alabama said, wait a minute, we can't do this. We really have no workers. If you do this, we will have no way to run our businesses. Um, So they withdrew them. They repealed them. But let's go back to more than 100 years ago, right? Who did Republican-owned textile, jewelry, manufacturing companies in Rhode Island hired to, to work for them? Immigrants, right? Irish, Italian, Portuguese. They came Matthew. over the right way. They came over the right way. They came over the right way. There was no, but there were there were very few. I mean, there were some immigration laws, but as you well know, there were very few immigration laws till the late 1880s and really not till 1924, like with the system that we have today. So whatever that means, I'm not sure what people are referring to, but it's the same way. And then you worry about that, right? Then then do that, does that compete with people um, who are already here who want those jobs? We haven't seen any evidence. There's no economic evidence that that's true, that immigrants take jobs from other people. But the point is, Republicans and and certainly agricultural states, everybody needs immigration. We've always needed immigration. But you're right, Republicans do well. They get elected on the backs of that kind of anti-immigrant sentiment. But on the other hand, they don't actually push for federal legislation that would make it really difficult for people to come here because big business wants it. But let's get back to this incentive, right? The people, you know, McCarthy, you know, refers to them whatever way he's talking about them, but the eight people is Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Chip Roy, you know, these people, they, I don't know what motivates them. You know, in the old days, you needed the party to run for office and stay in office. But now you can raise tons of outside money from one wealthy person can just fund your entire campaign. And so you don't have any boundaries. You know, you don't have to even listen to your own district. Um, and so you just do whatever you action, want, and there's no electoral consequence. My, my question, we're talking with uh, Professor Wendy Schiller, of course, from Brown University and the Tubman Institute, where she's the director. I I, I think they like I, – I think I, – I wish I had a broader answer, but I think I'm correct when I say I think they I just like the action. They like the action. I think Matt Gates likes the action. Uh, and what's interesting about – And the lifestyle. About, Let's just say the lifestyle, sure, right? Sure. And what kind you have of, a scheduler. It, it, you have somebody who drives you everywhere. You know, right. it's, it's a decent gig. Yeah, yeah. You, you, and you like being front and center as in in the rabble rousing situation, and and because your district is gerrymandered, such so in, in in a way that the uh, the constituents are kind of like uh, Richard Gere and Officer and Gentleman being hosed down, saying, "I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else." It's it's almost safe play, isn't it? Yes, but it's 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 less than it should be in terms of representation, right? Oh, none of, of these oh, people that. I just mentioned. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean none of none of these people are doing anything for the district, and here's why: you can be a rabble rouser. Right? I was thinking about Jesse Helms. For those of you who are old enough oh to remember gosh, him in the yes. audience, I know. But Jesse Helms was as conservative, if not more conservative, 
um, than anybody we're seeing today, from a prominent senator from North Carolina. But he translated his obstruction into benefits for North Carolina, particularly the tobacco industry. That's how he protected the tobacco industry, and he brought a lot of money back home to North Carolina. So he used his obstruction and said, well, okay, maybe I won't block everything you want to do, but then you have to give me stuff for North Carolina. None of these people do that for their districts. They don't use their obstruction on behalf of their constituents to get them something decent. They just do it for themselves. And if I were their constituents, elect another Republican. I mean, I'm not saying go to the other side, Democrat or whatever, Libertarian, whatever it is. Just find somebody who's going to work harder for you. Um, and that takes getting through to them. And well, that's, that's well, hard it, it, to but, do. But here's the thing, and this is, I'm sure, what you've studied uh, you know, over and over again here. Uh, this is, in large part, the wild card, wacky, psychotic dynamic of this whole thing is Donald Trump in that in that this constituency has convinced itself that there is an actual philosophy, uh, a MAGA philosophy, um, which if you dig deep and ask them a lot of questions about it, they can't even get two sentences out. But there's a there's a and, and they think they're conservative. And, you know, that the conservatism that you're talking about with Jesse Helms is hardly reflective of the of the thought process that a lot of these folks have. And Donald Trump is completely transactional. And Matt Gates is transactional on the action. And so is Marjorie and the whole thing. But the point is, is that I don't think the constituency has a fundamental understanding of what it wants other than the point scoring system on on the Trump versus who was not with Trump scorecard, so that's the hot. That's yeah, that's, I mean, that's why they don't have. That's why they don't have hell to pay when they come home for their behavior. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I do. I I think you're you're right. I think Trump rode the wave of something that started with the Tea Party in 2010 as a reaction to Obama and Affordable Care the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, which now for these. St- Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Let's get into season four, episode three, Facade. People get picked on. I got picked on. But Scabby Abby, Scabby, the whole school yeah, just hurt sure. me. I felt like it wasn't real. If I may, I want to defend the storytellers. The people who created the show wanted you to feel like these people were the worst people ever. They pretty much said the whole school of Smallville High are bad people. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. States now participate in the Medicaid expansion part of that to, you know, just raise, you know, the income threshold for people to be able to buy into Medicaid to get health care coverage uh, for these states, you know, Republican states and Democratic states now. It's been a long time. That came, you know, he rode the wave. That sentiment was building, building, and he rode the wave. But it does come from grievance. And some of that grievance is legitimate in the sense of economic decline in a lot of communities that were affected by free trade. You know, I've talked about this before. Democrats and Republicans really, you know, celebrated their bipartisan free trade agreement with NAFTA, 93-94, Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton. But, you know, it wiped out towns. It wiped out whole counties, you know, in lots of places in America. And nobody, nobody delivered to help th- those people. 
Right? Nobody came back and said, we're going to redevelop. We're going to help you out. You don't see Newt Gingrich taking ownership of that. You don't see Newt taking ownership of that now, do you? No. In fact, that's... Um, No, 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 no. They don't take on... But but Donald Trump, I think, and, and the people that got hurt then... Right. Maybe kept their jobs a little bit longer, maybe into the late 90s, early 2000s. By the time Donald Trump comes along, they're older. Maybe they're retired. Maybe they're not. But their kids no longer live in their town. There are no jobs for their kids. So they don't see their kids or their grandkids. You know, and they really get angry and they get this sort of Fox News in particular has been very good. And it's strategically so at sort of saying, look, other people are getting lots of things from the government, but the government left you behind. And the Democrats were terrible at countering that message. And frankly, I don't think the Democrats did that much for those people. So on this acute situation of a House speaker, now that Jim Jordan has cried uncle and there's a a running list from uh, Byron Donalds uh, to Kevin Hearn to Austin Scott to Jack Bergman, Tom Emmer, uh, Mark Green, Jody Arrington, Mike Johnson, they're all in a list of confirmed or considered candidates. Uh, at this point, it seems to me that if you want America to start running again here, what, what the Democrats ought to do is look at the list and send a private little note across the aisle and say, by the way, here's three that we would go with. And, and, and don't waste your time going. You know, you know what I mean? It's somebody better flag somebody in this whole situation that would get that would get a sustenance of votes to, to, to make up for whatever f- fractional problems will still exist inside the Republican caucus. Do you agree? Well, I tell you, they won't, excuse me, they won't do it soon. And the reason they won't do it soon in the Democratic Party is that the government next deadline is November 17th for another shutdown. That's a week before Thanksgiving, you know, the busiest flying travel, you know, holiday of the year. So we have to worry about air traffic control, TSA, who all don't get paid during a shutdown. That pressure point will force, if the Democrats have to cooperate, that'll force that moment. But they don't see that moment yet. You know, Biden's plans, everything's, the government has money, you know, it's flowing, nothing's shut down, everything's running. So the Democrats look back and say, why would we cut off, you know, in their mind, the chaotic display of the Republicans unable to govern any sooner than we have to? They don't. I hear you. No, um, I hear have, you. you know. Okay, so you know what? I think you're right. Uh, in fact, I, I think you're absolutely correct. So let me, th- so the Republicans... Ought to, uh, someone ought to like leave the fighting caucus room and throw three or four names across the aisle as to whether or not. What do you think about this one? We're having a fight in there, but what do you think about this one? What do you think about this one? What do you think about yeah. this one? To yeah. see, just to, yeah. because because you know, it seems to me that they're so fractured that nobody, no matter who of this crew now that's thinking about running runs, is probably going to have as much or more difficulty than Jordan did. Um, well, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I, but the, so what happens is that there's a limited time frame for this person to be influential, as you know, both internal and external. Once January 15th happens and we have the first Republican you know, caucus and primary, Donald Trump becomes, if he is still the front runner, you know, the leader, theoretically, of the Republican Party. Right? He will be the spokesperson for the Republican Party. The speaker won't even matter. It'll just be Donald Trump speaking for the Republican Party. Um, and then so really it's a caretaker. It's somebody who's going to be there for about a year who just makes sure the Republicans don't suffer any electoral damage. Um, and that's it. It's not someone who's really going to be shaping any policies. And we know not much is going to get done. So the longer, again, the longer the Democrats don't help, right, the less impact this speaker can have. 
so it's still strategic for them to hold out. I think, and Tom Cole from Oklahoma, Kay Granger, who won't give up the Appropriations Committee chairmanship, I don't think. Um, the guy from Michigan you just said, um, he seems Urban. like a viable alternative. Right, uh, Patrick McHenry. They, they're not going to do much because there's not, you know, except budgeting, right? right? We know right. that. Well, we just we just got to. Democrats be... can't afford to get the government shut down. By the way, Dan, they can't. Mm. They need to get. They need when the seventeen comes around. If the government shuts down, Biden's going to get blamed, and even though it doesn't make sense, he will. And so they're on. They're going to be under some pressure too in the coming sure. weeks. And of course, there's this thing called Ukraine and uh, the Middle East and the funding that the, the president spoke of last night, uh, and you know, putting up some. You know, uh, impromptu legislation here that needs to be acted upon in order to be able to get this funding continuance for Ukraine and what he wants to do humanitarianly and uh, militarily in the Middle East. So, I mean, it's a. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. By the way, yeah, I asked, unless, I, I, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Go, ahead. go on. Go ahead. No, go on. Go on. No, I, I was, no, I was, I was saying. Say, I, yeah, go ahead. I want to hear you. I want to hear you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, I was just going to say, sorry to interrupt, really quickly. You know, if, you, if you're the Republicans and you believe in limited federal government, wouldn't you want a less powerful president? And if you want a less powerful president, you should make sure that when you run the House, you're in, the ch- in charge. Because every minute and every, of every day that they're not running things, the executive branch takes on more responsibility. Yeah. And to that point, I thought the president uh, sounded clear, consistent, coherent last night. And it gives me pause because I'm worried about this whole uh, this whole whether he can keep it together thing, this whole ageism thing and, you know, and blah, 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 blah. All, uh, only a few of my listeners wanted to see to the idea that he actually looked fine and presidential last night, uh, whether he can keep that together for an entire another year and or, you know, actual you know, doing the job for another four after that is everybody's worry. Um, I, I got, I got a minute here. What's your, do you have, you have a, do you have a, uh, 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 a guess as to where we're going to be here in, in the real presidential race? Is it really going to be I, Donald Trump <clears throat> and Joe Biden? Is it really, really going to be those two? I mean, I think these are legitimate questions to ask. Certainly. I did think the president, you know, that trip to Israel is a long flight. Yeah. Even if it's Air Force One, it's a long flight. And when he said, well, when I was in Israel yesterday, I'm like, do most people understand what that means? Not like you were just in Boston yesterday, right. you know, and you're 80, going to be 81, and you made this long trip, and you still, you know, he wasn't super energetic, but he was very coherent, didn't stumble at all. Um, I think it is a legitimate concern. I think people are concerned about it. But, you know, people will take the 82-year-old, let's say, who can still kind of calmly function and run the country versus chaos. And that's what the Democrats are counting on, even though not all of them. But they, the Democrats need a bench, too, Dan. If something happens to Joe Biden, even if Kamala Harris ascends the presidency, they're going to have to have a primary contest. They're going to have to figure this out. And I don't see a lot of signs there that they're, 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 they've got backup. Yeah. And that's something I think, you know, the Republicans have backup. They have other candidates. There's, there's probably a reason Democrats why I see- don't. Probably a reason why 60 Minutes was in our backyard last night uh, interviewing this woman. You may remember her, Gina, somebody. Uh, so we'll uh, <clears throat> we'll see. Uh, we'll see about that. Listen, it's, uh, it's a pleasure. We should... Stacking Benjamins with Joe and his good friend, OG, not only has great financial insight, it's laid back with humor, too. The quiet luxury trend is out and loud budgeting is in. Are we tired of the pet names? Yeah, because I'm loud and obnoxious, so this fits right in with me. I'm like, yes, finally budgeting for me. I get to walk into a restaurant and go, I'm cheap as hell and you're not getting a tip. Live from Doug's Budget. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen.